Welcome to the Magnificat Podcast. We are an international ministry to Catholic women. Throughout this series, we will pray together, share insights, and hear amazing testimonies, typically from women of faith who have been touched by the power of the Lord in their lives. This is a decidedly Catholic podcast, and in this series, you will hopefully learn more about the Catholic faith, God, the Blessed Mother, and much more. Thanks so much for joining us. Now let's listen to a great program. Amy Duvalier has been married to Deacon Pete for over 25 years. They have two daughters, Ashley and Brianna. Amy is extremely proud and blessed to have the family she has. Amy currently is the executive assistant to the CFO of Palm Beach International Equestrian Center in Wellington. It's a work environment with many challenges. She's found a way to bring her Christian values to the workplace, and she'll tell you more about that in her testimony today. Let's welcome Amy Del Valle. I am the oldest of five children combined. My sister Karen and brother Paul and I have the same parents. I call us the originals. When our mother remarried, we gained a brother, Jeffrey, and then she went on to have another child with our stepfather named Matthew. I've heard that your earliest memories as a child started about four years old. However, I can clearly remember Karen coming home from the hospital. I can remember staying with my father's aunt and uncle and waiting for her and my parents to come home. I was so excited about becoming a big sister, a mother's helper, and all that came along with having a little sister. And a year and a half after that, guess what? Paul came along. Only more for me to love and to take care of and to grow with. I can recall my father taking Karen and myself to the parking lot of the hospital and looking up at our baby brother at the hospital window. Much different than it is today. Our home at that point had many fun times, but unfortunately they weren't long lived. By the time that Paul came home, there was already dysfunction starting in our home. There was a lot of bickering between our parents and our father traveled often. He spent a lot of time in California, attempting to grow a car dealership, and eventually his hope was for us to move to California. Our parents at that time did the best they could not to involve us in what was going on in the house. However, we knew. Being that sometimes it was difficult, I would often take my siblings off into our bedroom, and yes, we shared a bedroom, um, to go and play or just do something silly, something other than what was going on in the house. I'm so thankful that I have some great and wonderful memories of this time, but I'm also very saddened because my siblings were younger than me and they don't have the same memories that I have. The only way they could have these memories is by the stories that get told or the pictures that they get to see. I can't remember a time that this happened, but one day my father brought home a dog. It was a German Shepherd. His name he gave him was Spragus. My mother was furious. The last thing that she needed was some other mouth or some other being to take care of. Having the three of us was well more than enough for her. On the other hand, I love Spragus. He was more than just a pet to me. He was my best friend. I would sit with him, I would share stories with him, I would read to him, of course I would play with him, I would cuddle with him, everything that you do with a dog. When the fighting between my parents started to become more and more frequent, and not as private as it once was, 
He seemed to always be there. He knew exactly what I needed and when I needed it. Whether it was a snuggle, whether it was a lick, or whether he was very energetic and we just had to go out and play. At this point, believe it or not, I was only probably about seven or eight years old. It seemed that whenever our father spent time at home, there was fighting. Now, I've always been very protective of my siblings and did the best to shelter them. I can remember one really bad day. Pillows were flying, things were just not that happy. And I brought Karen and Paul into our bedroom, shut the door, and believe it or not, there was Spragish just waiting for us. He was sitting on the floor at the edge of my bed. And of course, he was very attentive to me. It's crazy, but being with him always brought me a sense of peace and a sense of comfort. Father was home in town. He would let him go out and let him wander the neighborhood for a bit, and he would come home. One day, he did not. Spragus was gone. I cried and cried. I still cry today at the loss of him. I've even felt today that my dad got rid of him because of how much my mother didn't like the dog. But he assures me that he didn't. I must have trust in that. At this point of our lives, our dad started spending a lot of time in California, growing that business, and it seemed to be going well. At his insistence, my mom packed up the three of us and off we went to California to visit. We were gonna see if this was a fit for our family. It didn't, and shortly we were back in New York. I can remember the night before we left, in that hotel room, our parents were having one of those wonderful fights. I knew that this was not going to be good but I didn't realize how bad this was actually going to get. Back in New York, unbeknown to me or my siblings, my mother had changed the locks. She had enough of this marriage. She said it was over. The way we found out that our parents were getting a divorce was when the police showed up at our house one evening as my father tried to get in at the end of a trip and he could no longer get into our house and he was trying to get in through a window. That their divorce was very long and very brutal for us kids. There were many custody disputes and many visits to the courthouse. Karen, Paul, and I, unfortunately, were in the middle of all of it. After all the trials and disputes, our relationship and visitation with our father became sketchy at best. However, at this point in my life, faith and religion had no bearing on what I was or who I was. I had no formal education about our religion. I knew I was Jewish because we had some great meals around the holidays, but had not been educated or brought up in the faith. I was and still am culturally Jewish, but not religiously Jewish. After the divorce, our mother had an awakening. It was like a new sense of being for her. For the first time, I think she felt this in her life. She seemed, she happens to be a twin, so she never really had a true identity. She was able to stand on her own two feet. She built fantastic friendships. We went and spent great times with family, our aunt, who is my mother's twin sister, as I mentioned, and our grandmother. Our mother was always involved in spite, despite being a single mom. She seemed to always be there. We had fun doing everything. We raked leaves, we helped paint the house, we jumped in those leaf piles, we danced all over the living room, which was great. We baked and she volunteered at our activities such as soccer and things like that. We lived in an awesome neighborhood in Long Island, New York at the time, and we had great neighbors. I remember on one Christmas, our neighbors, they were, their name was the Sushushlers, invited us over for Christmas. 
Our mother expressed to us that she had always felt connected to Christianity. However, she couldn't do anything about it. After all, Jewish people had suffered greatly and she could not turn her back on her people. Now, I don't know if she really understood what the faith brought, but I've never turned my back on our people either. For years after that, we put up stockings at the end of our bed. I still have mine today at the urging of my husband to throw it out because it's very old, but won't. We popped pop popcorn and we strung them around a tree in our living room. We called it our Hanukkah bush because, you know, we didn't have a Christmas tree. And we had a lot of great times in these couple of years. Great, wonderful memories. Now, shortly after this, my mother had this sense of wanting us to know our Jewishness. So I'm the eldest and she enrolls me in Hebrew school. <laughs> Her hope was to prepare me for my bat mitzvah. Similar to what would be a confirmation for the Catholic community. I embraced learning about the faith. It just wasn't a fit. I had a lot of difficulty learning Hebrew and I never really felt like the other children in my class. I always felt like an outsider. Now there was one part of Hebrew school that I loved and it was the songs and the music. We learned a lot of songs that would prepare us for bat mitzvah and we also learned songs for the Sabbath service. Possibly it was from the years early on that we listened to so much music in our home that it would have this abundant impression in my life. I don't know how or when this happened, but it was during Hebrew school and I believe I completed one full year, but they told my mother I would not be a candidate for bat mitzvah. Hence, ended any religious education I had at that point. Now we're gonna fast forward, it's 1978, and I don't know if you guys are trying to figure out how old I am, but I'm gonna deny it if you come up with any number that's older than 51. <laughs> my mother goes out on a blind date that gets set up by one of her friends, and in walks my stepfather. I thought, not too bad. He had a great looking car. I happen to be a bit of a gearhead and love cars. He took her to a great nice dinner, and he seemed to treat her really well. Our mother was not impressed with him at all at first, but I encouraged her to give him a chance. So much for encouragement, three months later, they were married. We gained a brother, Jeffrey, and we we're excited about what the future would bring. We could not have been more wrong. What went from this wonderful, happy home turned dark and very sad. Our extended family was soon pushed out and we were all alone. Our stepfather made it difficult for anyone in our family to be part of our life. Our mother quietly sat by. Our once doting mother was no longer, and her only goal was to be a supportive, loving wife. Everything that was comfortable, everything that was familiar was gone. Our stepfather no doubt loved our mother, but the three of us, well, we were the baggage, and he let us know it. Now, I really don't like conflict, and I try to appease people so there is no conflict. Sometimes I even lose who I am in that. I am still working on that, but all I wanted was peace. I figured I have a new father in my life, so I went to work with him from the very first weekend they were married. He owned a dry cleaning business, and I had a lot of fun there. For sure he would see we weren't really bad, that bad at all. 
Though, it seemed that our stepfather embraced me on some level. It wasn't the same for my siblings. Though our stepfather was never in the military, he had a very military type of discipline and would use it often. My siblings were very young and they were disciplined in a very cruel manner, a manner that no child should have to endure. As I said, it was often and most of times for no apparent reason. I don't know what, what was worse, being disciplined or being the one that had to sit and helplessly watch. I could not protect them. Our mother did nothing at this point but make excuses and sit and cry. Here I am the optimist. I still thought things could get better. I remained hopeful that this would all end, that we would get the happily ever after that you would read in stories. We moved to Staten Island. With this move, we figured it would bring new beginnings and happiness. Yep, new beginnings. It brought our youngest brother, Matthew. Unfortunately, more of the abuse continued and our home, though beautiful on the outside, was very unhappy on the inside. The way we were raised, that if everything looked good on the outside, if you had nice clothes, a nice home, you behaved well, drove a nice car, then everything is good. How wrong is that thinking? With all the dysfunction in our home, I did my best to get out of it every which way I could. Now, I was very blessed. Down the block from us lived a girl named Michelle. She was from Brooklyn, Italian, and Catholic. This was my faith journey to Catholicism. Though they didn't go to church often, they would be considered the CEOs, the Christmas Easter onlys of the church, but they had a true identity of who and what they were. You were never gonna tell them that they weren't Catholic. You were never gonna take their stripes of being Italian away from them. Now they lived in the exact same model home that we did. However, it wasn't as perfectly put together, but it was always filled with a whole bunch of laughter and a whole bunch of peace. I spent hours upon hours and days after days at their home. I was actually somewhat of an honorary member of their family. Michelle had two older brothers and she was the baby and I was just one year younger than she. They were so proud of their heritage and just by being with them, I became very proud of that heritage. I remember going to the annual San Gennaro feast in Brooklyn with them. Now that's a huge feast of those of you that are from New York. Huge, great food too. So Michelle goes in her room and she pulls out, we're getting ready to go and she pulls out a t-shirt and across the t-shirt, some of you might know this too if you're Northeasterners, had a big, kiss me, I'm Italian. <laughs> Guess what, she gave me one too. <laughs> I was so excited. That day for sure, I felt something, part of something bigger than all the dysfunction in my home. That day, I became Italian and Catholic. <laughs> Before then, I never felt comfortable in my skin. I didn't really have an identity, but now I had something I could truly identify with. I had so many wonderful experiences with Michelle and her family. I rarely miss a Sunday dinner. It was around, usually around three o'clock. It's very typical for New York Italians. 
The meal, which most of you will pretty much know, consisted of, I'm gonna call it gravy. You guys can argue that it's sauce, but it was gravy back then. Some sort of macaroni, that would be pasta. Meatballs, sausage, and brajol. Fantastic every week. We literally ate all day and built amazing memories. This crazy loud family was always there for me. They are the first people that showed me unconditional love. I will forever be grateful to that family. Now, the last year of high school for me, Michelle and I, relationships started to change. After all, she was already out of school and I was still in. I still saw her, however, my life was moving in a different direction. My life consisted of school and work. I was dating at this time, and let's say I was not making the best choices. I worked at managing one of our dry cleaning stores. We had five at this time. I did enjoy working in the dry cleaning store. It afforded me time away from my home, very important, money in my pocket, even better. And it always afforded me to work with so many different people. My stepfather had several partners, but his one partner that he was with for the most, his name was Ray. Ray is one fun dude. He's happy, he's loving, he's always had this spirit about him. His brothers Sammy and Tony and his sister Julie also worked the business with us. They were fun and always showed my siblings and I a lot of love. I am more than sure that they were well aware of the hell that we were experiencing in our home and did the best they could to bring happiness and peace any way that they could. I had worked with many of Ray's family at one point or another from that very first day that I started in the dry cleaning store with my stepfather. Now I graduated high school, I went off to college, I continued to work in the dry cleaning store business, and at this point I was managing one of our stores in Brooklyn. Ray calls me one day, says, do you have any positions open for a short bit? I did. He said, well, I'm gonna have my brother Pete, he, came, he just got out of the Marine Corps, and he's gonna come and work for about a month with you. To say my life would never be the same would be a huge understatement. <laughs> for those of you who know, that's your Deacon Pete right there. <laughs> this point I am grand old age of 19. Pete had just gotten out of the Marine Corps and was staying with, to visit his family in New York for about a month. And then he was gonna to move to upstate New York. From day one, he was so easy to talk to. We would have lunch together and have some great conversations. Sounds like the beginning of a love story, right? Not so much. I was in a pretty bad relationship, looking for all the wrong things in a man. I was very enamored with a certain type of lifestyle, the type that they make telephone, television shows like The Sopranos out of. <laughs> I was determined to make this relationship work. Pete, on many occasions, would say to me, why do you allow someone to treat you like that? Or, you deserve a lot more than what this guy's giving you. This really went in one ear and out the other. Yep, young and oblivious, you'd say. Pete started asking, hey, what are we doing tonight? My response, I don't know about you, but me and my friends are doing this or that. Well, one day he straight out said, listen, I'm not asking again. I'm going to dinner with friends and then movies. If you'd like to join us, I think that would be great. If you say no, 
I'm never asking again. I figured, why not? I don't have any plans yet for the evening. I'd go. We had a fantastic evening. At the end of the evening, he says to me, you're never going to be with another guy. I gave them, yeah, okay. <laughs> Left, dismissed what he said, and went to go visit my friends. Told them what he said, and we joked about it for a bit. However, I couldn't get the dude out of my head. <laughs> now figure this, the young and stupid side of my head said, he's not Italian. <laughs> All I wanted to do was marry an Italian. <laughs> and then I thought, well, you could say his name like it sounds Italian. <laughs> Many of his family members in New York did. So why not? Let's try this. Oh, plus, he's Catholic. All my relationships before this had been pretty bad. So being that you don't have the best examples of relationships, you have to hope and pray that you find one that does. I can totally tell you without any doubt that that okay that I gave Pete that night was the best okay that I have ever said. Today we celebrate over 31 years together and we're married just over 26 years. Pete has always had a sense of calmness and peace about him. Anybody that knows him will tell you that. His brother Ray, when we started dating, actually pulled me aside and said, my brother is different from any of the guys you ever dated so far. He appreciates things much differently than what you're used to. He loves sunsets and the sky, things different than most of the guys you've dated. Thank God he does. Now, when we were planning our wedding, that's when religion and the talk started coming. I told him, well, duh, I did want to get married in the Catholic Church, but I couldn't because I didn't want to upset my parents. Once again, putting others before me. So my journey of calling every synagogue in Briarwood County to see who would marry a non-practicing Jew and a non-practicing at that time Catholic be allowed to be married in their sanctuary. Oh, by the way, I wanted a Catholic priest present. Not the easiest of tasks, but after many calls, I found one. Yay, all bases are covered. Everyone can be happy. Well, about a month before our wedding date, I passed the same synagogue, and the entire front fascia of the synagogue was torn down for reconstruction. I called Pete hysterical. He said, you know, that's kind of your thing. Go with your parents. You need to talk to them about this. I should not be the Catholic one going to have the argument. <laughs> Grab my parents and meet him right before Sabbath service because he had not turned any calls. To say that that meeting didn't go well, well, that's an understatement as well. The rabbi's comment, well, you don't like it too bad. I'll give you your money deposit back. You can get married somewhere else. Wow. Now, this was the second time I felt that someone in the Jewish community had something against me. Now, I know people are people. We're not perfect, and we say and do things that hurt each other. It's not God's doing, it's people. However, when it stings, it still sings. 
Pete and I went over to the parish at the time was called the Shrine of St. Jude, and the pastor there at the time was Father Bryce. So we went there. Father Bryce calmed me down and ensured me he could marry us. He would bring some Jewish Old Testament aspects of our wedding, and he would marry us at our reception hall. He said that he had been a military chaplain, and he would bring both faiths into our ceremony. I was relieved, and though I wasn't getting the house of worship ceremony that I had always wanted, Father Bryce would get the job done, and I didn't need the rabbi. Now, for those of you that are grimacing at the fact that we got married at our reception hall by a Catholic priest, take a breath. My sister-in-law, Car Carmen, let us know right, right from the get that we were not going to have a valid Catholic marriage. That Father Bryce, though as wonderful as he is, that he no longer had valid faculties in the diocese. So we needed to go to that diocese and make everything right. We did. Thank you, Carmen, for always having our backs. We worshiped at the Shrine of St. Jude while living in Broward County. Shortly after we married, we had Ashley, and she was baptized there. The parish was the beginning of me searching for something more. I always felt at home, totally comfortable, and even on my worst days, that little parish gave me a sense of peace. It was something that I had looked forward to every week. However, in 1995, we moved to Wellington. Pete, at this point, was insistent that we have a parish community. He grew up in, the, in a parish community, and he wanted the same for Ashley and I. We tried most of the surrounding parishes, but we could not find the right fit. Ashley was sending a lo local preschool being held at a Lutheran church. Once a month, the preschool kids would sing at their Sunday service. We attended those days. It had all the makings of the Catholic Church, and we felt that that was where God was calling us. We still on occasion attended Catholic Mass, but this little Lutheran church seemed to have it all. We still said we were Catholic and called ourselves Catholic, but we attended Lutheran services. Well, Brianna's born at this point. We have to get her baptized. Can't do it at a Lutheran church, she's Catholic. <laughs> so in we go back to St. Rita. If she's going to be baptized, she's got to be baptized Catholic. They did welcome us with open arms. At this point, now I have two daughters, and they were going to this Lutheran preschool, and people were teaching them about the faith, a faith that I really didn't have a grasp on. I did attempt to join several RCIA classes at several of the local churches, but it just didn't work out. People are people. The pastor at Epiphany said, do you want to be baptized and confirmed? I can do that for you. Well, right after that conversation, I started private instruction with him. In 1999, I was baptized in the Lutheran Church. The pastor knew that I was proud of being Catholic, and it was important that I be baptized with Catholic holy water, and I asked him to use our daughters. Everything should have been perfect at this point, and my story would have ended here but it wasn't in God's plan. The day after this beautiful ceremony and me finally belonging to a community of faith, something was still missing. Several months after this weekend, as I continued to grow in my faith, we realized that this Lutheran church 
was not what we were looking for. There were many similarities to the Catholic Church. However, there were some non-negotiable differences. After the service, I thought it was mass at the time, but they would put Jesus in the freezer. That's like a non-negotiable type of thing. At this point, we just stopped going to church. Once again, I had this unsettled feeling, the feeling that I had had as I was growing up. I was starting to have some significant issues with anger. I was feeling depressed. Life went on and on. One Sunday I woke, I got the girls breakfast, walked in the bedroom and told Pete, get up, we're going to church, we're going to St. Rita's. He was hesitant at first, since now that we had not been going to church in a couple of weeks, sleeping in didn't seem so bad. I repeated, I was insistent, and most would say I was a pain in the neck. We dressed and headed over. At the end of Mass, Father D was the pastor at the time. He announced, though he didn't want to lose anyone, a new Catholic church was opening, and if you lived in certain boundaries, the new pastor, Father Lou, could definitely use some help in preparing for first Mass. Can you say God moment? Pete signed up, and we attended the first Mass of St. Therese at the Boys and Girls Club in July of 2000. It was gross. <laughs> we had to move tables, we had to sweep away bugs, we sat on hard folding chairs, and in all that disgustingness, it was absolutely perfect. It was exactly where we were meant to be. After two weeks, we knew this was our parish home. On a Sunday right before Mass, Father Lou comes up to me and said, do you have a problem speaking in front of people? I said no, remember, if it's not about me, not a problem at all. He said, great, I need a lector and you're it. Okay, mind you, this was about 15 minutes before Mass. I had never done this before, nor did Father Lou know anything about me. Sure enough, none of that mattered. And before I could say no, Father Lou had me lecturing almost every Sunday. We grew quickly and moved from that Boys and Girls Club into the middle school, and that's when Father Lou wanted to add music, something that I hold still very dear to my heart. He decided I could canter along with the CD that he played, and now that you call baptism by fire. I'm lecturing, and now I'm cantering along with a CD. That was shortly lived, and we started a music ministry. I was thrilled to be part of this growing parish. We met at the rectory for choir practice since we did not have a church home. After one of the practices, I pulled Father Lou aside and said to him, hey, you might need to know the history of Amy before we go any further. So I start with, I was born Jewish, I'm now a Lutheran, <laughs> but I've kind of always thought I was Catholic. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely anticipating for him to say, ah, get out. He handled it with such grace. I was expecting that he would totally turn me away as I had been turned away previously. Instead, he offered solutions. The very next word out of his mouth was, well, I guess we need to start an RCIA class and you get to be the first to sign up. <laughs> Easter Vigil 2001, I became Catholic. For the first time in my life, I had a peace in my heart that hadn't been known before to me. 
I finally belonged to something bigger than just myself. I had a community of people who wanted to be part of something bigger than what was just happening here on this earth. I'd love to tell you that that peace that I felt that day never went away. But as you all know, life interrupts. I had so much negative baggage to deal with. One day I was scolding our oldest, Ashley. Pete literally stopped me dead in my tracks and said, oh, you won't do that to my daughter. You need to do something about that anger. Well, the only way I knew how to respond, because I didn't exactly have as much peace and grace as I do now, was I recoiled. His daughter? You carry her for nine months in your body? I don't think so. That's my daughter. There's no way that he could love her the way that I loved her. Though once my anger subsided, I realized that they were going to be this same ball of anger and dysfunction unless I did something about it. I sought out professional help. I was given some great tools, but nothing took what I called that monkey off my back. That horrible anger that would creep up and just stay. I decided it's time to go to confession. My relationship with Father Lou was a really good one. It was more of spiritual direction with reconciliation, that very first talk that we had. But right after that, Father Lou brought me out of his office, right to the cross. As I gazed upon the cross, I gazed up. Father Lou and said, nope, look down at those feet. Look down at those nails on that feet. Hence the song, We Fall Down, is very impactful for me. Father Lou shared I needed to learn how to receive unconditional love. A real love that a parent feels for their child. That's what our Lord and Savior wanted to offer me. I needed to start with all that pain and humiliation, but I needed to understand what that type of love is. The love that Jesus gave for us, that he endured for us, a love that a parent should have for their child. Me, I thought, well, that's good for all of you. I definitely wasn't worthy of that. A father's love, unfortunately, was foreign to me. I didn't know what that type of love can be. After all, I couldn't even understand how my own husband couldn't love his child as much as I could. My own father, nor my stepfather, would do anything like that for me. Endure pain for me? Not so much. I truly did not feel worthy of that type of love. So, with some help, step by step, day by day, year by year, I have learned, accepted, and I can now stand before you without a doubt and say, I am loved by our Heavenly Father. Many times still today when I gaze upon that cross, I look back at the nails at the feet of Jesus. I am so grateful to Father Lou for all the times he had spent helping me to understand this one simple word of unconditional love. Oh, there's Mary. That happens to be a little bit more difficult for me. You see, I do have great love for my mother, my imperfect, flawed mother. She did not love us enough to save us from the hands of our aggressor. She allowed someone else to come in and hurt us in ways that will never be erased from our minds.
Yes, I've forgiven her. After all, the pain that she has every day laying on that pillow to have to recall some of that atrocity has got to be far worse than what I have. I pray to God that he touches her and gives her the grace and peace that can remove that bondage that she must have. However, for me, getting close to our Heavenly Mother has been exceptionally tough for me. As I grew in faith from the various Bible studies that I've taken and podcasts and teachers and friends, I learned of the saints. In walks St. Anne into my life. Jesus' grandmother, Mary's mom, she's a woman I could love. I had such a great relationship with my maternal grandmother. So St. Anne, she was my go-to girl. After all, she's a Jewish grandmother, so you know. (laughs) St. Anne is known to be the patron saint of sailors and the protector of storms. Hmm, protector of storms. Now, couldn't it be those negative things that sometimes cloud our minds, hurt our hearts? Couldn't they be the storms inside of us? St. Anne, I go to her, she protects me from that. Through her, I'm able to approach our Blessed Mother. After all, that was her daughter. And I could surely tell you how much I love my daughters. Therefore, I know she loved hers. My mother-in-law had an unbelievable devotion to Mary. She was everywhere. I believe it made her the mother that she was. She was one incredible lady. She only stood about four foot nine, maybe 10 on a good day. Her faith was so strong. She had a joy about her that was absolutely contagious, and her loyalty and love for her family was unfailing. Those things are so evident in all of her children. That's a beautiful legacy. That's the type of legacy I want to leave my children with. Yeah, it's great to give them nice things, but giving them peace, showing them love, showing them devotion to your faith, That's so far more precious than anything that I can purchase for them. Every day, I choose to make a conscious decision to treat the day with joy. We all have stuff that can take the joy away. For me, the way I do that is by staying connected with God. How? Well, I've been told in the past that I spend too much time on church stuff. Friends, that church stuff That is what sustains me. It's the Holy Spirit that encompasses all that I do every day with every step that I take. Yes, I choose to spend a lot of time in church. I choose to sing in the contemporary choir. I love to be involved with praise and worship. Songs and music will always, I believe, minister to me in a way that is so much greater than this earth, and I pray that I only continue to feel that way. I do the things in the music ministry because I hope it's for his glory. I hope that others will be lifted up and healed and loved by the words that we sing. I also help assist in the RCIA program. Now, that is very close to my heart, obviously. It allows me to live this journey through others. I love seeing the look on the faces of the candidates when they start to truly believe. At that moment, I know I am God's instrument. 
I'm an instrument in someone else's salvation. How awesome is that? There are so many incredible, wonderful, loving people I have met on this faith journey. Years ago, I've attended a weekend called Crisio. It's a short course in our faith. There I've met many wonderful faith-filled people. They want nothing more than to share their love and passion for our Lord and Savior. Through this course, it has given me the tools I need to never waver too far from my faith, too far from the commitment that I've made to our God on that day of my conversion. Now, in truth, I don't consider myself converted. After all, Jesus was born a Jew. He came for the Jews. Therefore, I am a continuer. I have continued the path that Jesus set for me. All these things make me accountable to me growing in my faith. By being part of something bigger, having a community of friends that I get to visit with weekly, they also help in me being accountable to my faith. They've become incredible mentors and friends, surrogate moms and aunts and sisters, people that I never thought that I would have in my life, and yet I do because of communities such as Chrissy Days such as this of Magnificat, they also help sustain and grow on my faith. Look at, at this room of beautiful people. We come from all different walks of life, all different age groups, all different ethnicities from the diocese wide, and we're all here together to celebrate life, love, and faith in our Lord and Savior. Incredible. So, heck yeah. I spend a lot of time on church events. Why not? I'm with incredible people doing incredible things. I try every day to live the best version of myself. I am raising two daughters who, God willing, one day will be wives and mothers. I want to be the example they reflect upon when they embark on that role of wife and mother. Four years ago, I had a life-changing decision. I made the decision to leave the partnership I had with my parents in the dry cleaning business. That was one of the hardest decisions I had to ever make. Unfortunately, staying and working day by day in the type of environment that was so negative was no longer actually healthy for me physically. My body was failing in so many ways I needed to get out. Things in that business once again had become very dark, very violent. I wavered if I was doing the right thing. I always wanted to be there to support them. They were getting old. Well, as bad as it got, God stepped in. He made the way. In that darkness at that time, I did not know that. That last day that I was there was probably one of the worst days of my life. But when I reflect on it, sometimes you have to go through a storm to see the light. The light will always shine in darkness. Darkness will not prevail. I've had to go through trials, but God has always been there for me. I could not see it all the years before, but I could truly see it now. Today, my work environment is no easier than it was before. It's incredibly fast paced and has so many challenges. 
As a matter of fact, some of you might not know this, I almost didn't make it here today. I have been working since the beginning of, of August in our location in North Carolina. We're hosting something called the World Equestrian Games, the Olympics for horses. And there's a hurricane coming. So as I called Peggy on uh, Tuesday and I said, Peggy, I'm gonna pray that I can get out on Friday. She goes, pray, you better be here. I called my husband at midnight. I changed the flight to Wednesday because I didn't want to take the chance. This is all in God's plan. As crazy as it is, this is all in God's plan. At my work, specifically in North Carolina, I am surrounded by Christians. They love to talk about God. They have on blessed, be redeemed and received. I mean, it's incredible to walk into a work environment and it be everywhere. We're able to speak openly about God. It's such a blessing. Ironically, though, as much as they have hanging on their walls, many of them are really not connected to their faith. I can be that witness to them. I can be the one in all the hard that we're doing there, and there are seven days a week, 12 to 15 hour days. I could be that light for them. That's a blessing to me. I'm able to help others when despair starts to creep into their days and their lives. The one thing that I could always offer them is peace and love. Now I am far from the best educated Catholic. Some things I've learned to live in peace is that we must forgive. If we don't, we are giving that person power over our own thoughts and feelings. Nobody is going to have that. Everything is for God's will. He created us. He knows us best. If we put our focus on him, he will guide us of what is meant to be. From the very beginning, God was there for me. As crazy as it seemed, he first showed himself to me in the form of a German shepherd named Spragus. In our neighbors, the Schuschlers, Michelle's family, and ultimately, in giving me my wonderful husband, Pete, and his unbelievably loving family. If my mother had not married my stepfather, I would not have met Pete. I could have never dreamed of a love as wonderful and pure as what we have. A love that was born from God, who loved us enough to make our union happen. On my first reconciliation, when Pete joined the uh, diaconate formation, I'll share with you a little something from the confessional. The priest says to me, so, did you ever think you were going to be a deacon's wife? I did laugh. And I'm like, really? No. I started as a Jew who became a Lutheran from a broken home, and I'm a deacon's wife. I actually didn't think I was worthy then either. But the fact of the matter is, we are all worthy. What I could tell you is I feel incredibly blessed and incredibly loved. And I want them to know that our Lord and Savior loves them unconditionally that they will never leave them, and that they are perfect exactly who and what they are. Nothing is coincidence. It is all for his glory. His will will always prevail. Move out of the way. Let God into your heart. Let him heal you. Let him lift you up. 
Let him love you unconditionally. Today I stand before you, I am not that damaged little girl without an identity. Today I stand here before you. Today I proudly can say, I am a Catholic Christian woman who is loved by the Most High. Wow. Thanks so much for listening to this Magnificat podcast. Have you been touched by our time together? If so, for more information or to find a Magnificat chapter near you, go to our website at magnificat-ministry.org or visit us on social media. We would love to hear from you. You can also email us at magnificatcst at aol.com or call 504-828-MARY, M-A-R-Y. Until the next time, may God bless you.